So I have Marielle with me. Marielle works with me in one of my jobs. We work in a coffee shop. And she is one of the sparkly ones, is what I call them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Marielle's 22. And one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about is anxiety. And so I asked her if she would be my first, I don't know, interview or conversation. It's way more of a conversation than an interview because I don't have a list of questions. I just want to discuss it. And yet I'm doing this because I want to learn. I don't feel as though I experience anxiety. And yet I don't feel as though I don't experience anxiety. I just know that it's definitely not for me what it is for other people. And therefore I end up having quite a few different suggestions and opinions and ideas that you may or may not be able to use just because I'm coming from a different space where anxiety is concerned. So, um, you haven't even said anything. So (laughs) I'm anxious. (laughs) (laughs) When I, when I started making notes, uh, Marielle goes, I'm feeling anxious right now. And, and I was like, oh, hang on a second. Is that anxious? Is that anxiety? Or is it excitement? Because, wow, we're doing this. We're <laughs> sitting down. We're going to talk about this and we're going to actually record it. And it will live somewhere that we can both listen to it and possibly other people listen to it. And so I can understand that that might be some element of anxiety, but that did raise the question for me. What is anxiety? And what are its sub-emotions? Because I'm willing to bet, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm willing to bet that excitement is definitely a sub-emotion of anxiety and people who experience a lot of anxiety don't really know how to go, oh, well, this isn't anxiety. This is excitement. Or help me come up with a few words that are related to anxiety that might be actual separate emotions, but small versions of anxiety. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like anxiety is different for, like, everybody. It, it's different. It manifests itself in different ways and makes you feel different. And depending on the situation, what you're comfortable in, and it's just all different. <laughs> but I know, I remember a time when I didn't always feel like this. And so it's a little bit easier for me to distinguish from this is, I mean, I feel like n- nerves are part of anxiety, but being nervous and being anxious are two completely different things which I feel like gets mixed up a lot and almost discredited in a way, anxiety does, due to that fact. Um, but like like you are saying, if I was just excited, which I am excited to be here, but also as I was thinking about it, I was wondering, like, oh man, I'm, I'm not going to be prepared enough, I'm not going to give <laughs> the right kind of feedback that, I mean, and we, I don't know, you're not even looking for a particular whatever, but that thought crossed my mind. This is literally just conversation because, um, as we said, in fact, we were talking before we started recording and this isn't to create a solution necessarily. Um, and then you use the word normalize. No, I would love to normalize it because maybe it wouldn't feel so big then. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, let's talk, Marielle. I have tools for you. (laughs) No, and I and see and I know that and you're one of my very best friends and it was like why am I so like this is such a safe space you're such a safe warm person like I shouldn't be but I think that's exactly it though yep that's part of anxiety you don't get to just go 
oh, well, sensibly, this is the situation, so sensibly, this is how I should feel. You can't turn it off. And see, and part of my brain, the sensible part is like, dude, chill. Like, what the heck are you doing? But it's kind of hard. I can't, I make, what is it? Mountain out of molehills is mm-hmm. what it is, which is literally what anxiety is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, for lack of a better word, it sucks. <laughs> so I have you saying that brings a question. Do you feel as though anxiety could possibly be something that you fall into? I don't want to like belittle it in any way when I phrase my question this way, but is it possible that by not paying attention and being in charge and present in a way that you fall into anxiety and then you're already in it. You're swimming in a swimming pool of anxiety. Whereas if you were able to be present and acknowledge where you were falling, yeah, you could maybe stop yourself at the edge of the pool instead of, instead of falling in and then just swimming in it and being soaked. You know what I mean? It's literally like you're doggy paddling and you're not getting anywhere. And I, I would agree with most but, of that. But, well, no, the question is, can you? Have you? Or do you find, no, I would love if that were true, that I could just be so present that I'm like, stop. This isn't happening. I'm not falling into that pool. But because the only anxiety I can say I understand isn't the type of anxiety you experience and that we're talking about. So I literally am in the dark about this. So I'm like, well, if it were me, I'd just not fall into the pool. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and so I'm typical of many people who don't understand it. See, that's like a constant argument that I have with myself because I can see, I can see point B, you know, it's like, I can see the big picture, but I can't get to it. And I don't know how to, I don't know what stop, obviously myself is what's stopping me. And that's the most frustrating part is because I don't want to feel like this. I can't think of anybody that would want to feel like this. So you you just beat yourself up more and then you get more worked up. And I think that's how a lot of people, that's how I would get into really bad panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Just hyperventilating, crying, couldn't breathe, couldn't move, sat on the bathroom floor for hours. <laughs> just because it's, in a way, extremely debilitating. Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought up a point that I guess maybe I've thought of, but the way that you phrased it about, um, being present, because a lot of what I worry about and like what keeps me up at night or like, I don't know, just distracts me is, oh man, I have this thing coming up and I don't know how it's going to turn out. And the unknown in that, you know, thing <laughs> is what's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. What if this goes wrong? Or alternatively, I think about like past conversations and like past actions, and, and I think, well, how, how, why couldn't I have done that better? Now that I'm seeing it from this side. In hindsight, yeah. And I beat myself up over it, and I think, oh no, like what's, you know, if I close at work and it's not a good close, is the opening shift going to be like, oh, Mari, where, like, why didn't you? Yeah. One of the things that's coming to my mind as you're, as you're saying this is, oh, wow, you're giving yourself so much responsibility in the scenarios it's almost as though you are writing a story for each possible situation and you're having to take the time to write each story that you have going on in your head. It's almost like you're making this movie and you're having to do absolutely all the storylines. You're having to consider, you know, in fact, I'm putting too much effort into, into explaining this. 
you're just giving yourself so much responsibility in thought. And how often do those unfold the way, oh, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. How often does that unfold? And do you later say to yourself, wow, I wasted all that time thinking that this could be the scenario when that wasn't the scenario that unfolded. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, like I say, as you were talking, I was like, whoa, why would anybody want to do this to themselves? Cause it's like, you're creating work for yourself. And I know that it's not a choice, like per se, See, a lot this of people is, think this it is, is your though. nature. Yeah. So we were fighting against what has become your nature, because as you say, you weren't always, you didn't always have this level of anxiety. It's possible that you have generated a habit. We all generate habits. There was a time that I sat every day that I sat down to do my makeup. I thought about my ex-mother-in-law would put Vaseline under her eyes because she believed that that helped her wrinkles, right? Well, I created this mental memory that was a habit that would happen every time I sat down to do my makeup. I would, I would reach a certain point of, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right in the beginning. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to think of my ex-mother-in-law yeah. again. You know, it, I, I, ne I didn't consciously in any way say, I'm going to do this thing. However, invariably every day I would reach the point in doing my makeup that I would notice wrinkles under my eyes and I would think of her and Vaseline and it got to the point that I'm like I'm doing this every day I'm having this thought every day and why like <laughs> is it ever gonna stop and and it didn't overwhelm my life it's not like something I thought of I always think of my ex-mother-in-law <laughs> you know and it would only be in those moments that I sat there and I was doing that thing that I'm like I think I've developed a habit can I just decide to let it go? It was when I had that thought that I think I finally did. And I, and now that I tell the story, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't thought of that for, <laughs> for a long time, probably since I asked myself, do I need to do this? So I'm not saying, oh, guess what? Just think it away, decide, you know, but I think it's a very, possibly a very good example that we do create these mental habits that are thought processes. Yeah. Well, your mind, I mean, you know this, your mind is incredible and you can unconsciously latch on to so many different things. And I read something interesting. Um, I can't remember where, but it was something along the lines of um, growing up and being a teenager and you go through all these difficult things personally, whether it is someone else or whatever, that's irrelevant, but you go through struggles and you're coming of age and you're becoming your own person and it said something like, don't let sadness and angst and anxiety become part of your personality. Because I think it's so easy to, because you feel like that all the time. Oh, hell yeah. And I, I often wonder if, if that's partly why I feel like this is just because I'm so used to it, but I almost feel like I'm in too deep because <laughs> I don't know how to not feel like this. I mean, and I've come a long way from how I used to feel. I don't know. I think that's definitely a possibility for some people is that it's just, I'm not saying everybody because the circumstances of how you get to a point are all different mm -hmm. and your situations are different and, you know, trauma and whatever leads you to this point. But for some, I think it could be, I don't know. I th I've been thinking about that a lot lately since I read it. 
because I think part of it is probably why, you know, and I've just gone deeper down in the hole. You actually hit the nail on the head where so many lessons I have learned have, have landed, which is, am I going to allow this thing, whatever this thing is, because you know, I write about a million different things. Yes. Am I going to allow this thing to become a norm or a reality or a belief? I'm going to go so big as to use the word belief because something has to be huge in order for me to allow it to be a belief. Yeah. But I kind of do, and I have many times had to ask myself, how real am I going to make this? How far am I going to let it go in and, and become part of me? And having some really good, bad examples in my life of people that I have seen allow a messed up construct to become part of who they are and me going, whoa, why would you do that? And now look how miserable you are and look how not fun you are to be around and look how much you hate the world. And, you know, there's so many reasons that me as an outsider is going, why did you do that? Oh man, there's so many for me as an insider going, why did you do that? (laughs) To yourself or to others? Both. Okay. Both. I mean, and it's easy when you're not in the situation, you know, I, like even at work and, and someone will be talking to me about something they're worked up about. I'm like, why? Like, why are you letting this affect you in such a way when the solution for me that I see is clearly right there in front of you? And I'm sure it's like that for me too, but I just can't see it. And uh-huh. it's the same for them. And, oh man, it is the most frustrating thing once you realize that though. And then you start to discredit yourself. Like, well, am I actually like feeling this way or am I allowing, like you said, allowing yourself to feel this way? But going back to kind of like, you know, kids growing up and just when you go through feeling that way for such a period of time and life changes, you begin to become comfortable in what's familiar to you, Mm -hmm. even if it's negative and bad. Well, and I don't even know if comfort is the word. It becomes your norm. That's probably better. Because you're not comfortable, essentially. But this is, I'm going to use air quotes. This is you. You know, you've allowed it to be you and you can no longer distance yourself Yeah. from it. It's like jumping into that swimming pool and then sometimes getting out of the swimming pool, but ensuring you stay wet 100% of the time Yeah. and never actually drying off. If, if the water is the anxiety, you know, and people around you going, God, get a towel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dry off. Why don't you just dry off? There's a towel right there. <laughs> And you're, and you're going, nope, nope, nope. And you don't actually say or think, I have to stay wet. I have to be covered in anxiety. You're not saying that, but people around you are like, fucking towel right there. <laughs> it's so much easier to, you know, give solutions when you're an outsider yeah. and you don't get the whole picture. Yeah. And when you're not wet. Yeah. You know, exactly. and when you've been, and when you've been in that water and you're used to being wet again, it's not necessarily comfortable, but it, it is now your norm. That's a much better way to put that. Yeah. And, and I think it possibly is unhealthy to see it as, again, air quotes, you. It's not you. But it's what you've made yourself be. Temporarily. Yeah. Because honestly, um, one of the things this boils down to is you're, you're 22. Now, and, and, and I don't mean to minimize this. This is going to sound like a minimizing statement, but it's not. You are not going to be the same at 40. It will be absolutely impossible 
for you to be the person at 40 that you are at 22. If only their life wasn't full of change, you know what I mean? (laughs) So you're going to learn a million different lessons, good, bad, the ugly, (laughs) the amazing, by the time you're in your 40s. And then by the time you're in your 60s, you're going to be like, God, I was, I was so immature at 40, you know? So my point is your norm right now and your discomfort or comfort or however many words we want to use for this isn't going to be you at 40. However, there's nothing to say if you don't somehow take hold of it and pick up that towel and dry off at 40, you could if you just allowed it and swam in it and swam in it and swam in it, be worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think that's going to happen with Marielle. <laughs> oh, help One me. of the reasons I say that is because you are so sensible, like in so many areas with, with so many things. And so everybody has struggles. You know, there are many people that I see their struggles and I'm like, God, that, I'm so glad that's not me. <laughs> I think each of us would choose our own struggles if given the choice. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, but you can get on top of them. And one of the reasons I say that is, as you know, self-esteem has been a struggle my entire life. Even though I'm finally in my 40s, it's certainly not perfect. But would I want to go back to being 22? No way. No way in hell. I almost don't even want to finish that sentence <laughs> um, or, or that thought process because, God, at 22, I was I was miserable with the lack of self-esteem. I could not understand how anybody could actually like themselves. And I was, I was so thoroughly confused and I was swimming in the swimming pool of self. I'll say self-hate, even though hate is kind of a a harsh word for it, but I certainly wasn't swimming in the pool of self-love. So just to use that as a word, not an actual hate, hate word, I was the furthest thing from dry and, and picking up that towel and figuring it out. So anyway, I totally, totally believe that wherever you're at in your life right now with anxiety, there's no way it can stay the same. But I think if you aren't present and you don't keep going, this isn't okay. I don't want to feel like this. And you don't keep trying to find the tools. You'll just swim in that pool and and get deeper and deeper and deeper in the water. And I think so many people do that. I don't think you will. So many people drown. Yeah. It's yeah, it's true. But uh like you were saying, like I won't be the same person at forty that I am now. Well, I'm not even the same person I was a year ago, or I would even say a couple months ago. Um I can attest to that. <laughs> well, like you know, when I, when you first met me, this was about over two years ago, and I first started working with you, and I was so mm-hmm. high strung and quiet and just mm-hmm. totally not comfortable in yeah. any situation. I feel like I've grown a lot more. Yeah. Um, you couldn't say boo to you. You would have been terrified. <laughs> that's... Like, that's that old Marielle. I very timid. Yeah. Um, like, boo would scare the shit out of you. <laughs> it would. Oh, I was scared of everybody and everything, especially at work. I mean, I don't know. I think I went to the doctor last week. This past week. It wasn't even that long ago. I hadn't seen her in forever, you know. It was, I went for a different reason, but she asked about um, my anxiety and my depression. Because that's something that I would always go to her for. And she was like, are you still on your medication? <laughs> Which I super wasn't, because it was a lot. <laughs> and I just didn't see the need to put all that in my body. But anyways, 
Okay, I, before you make your point, and please don't forget your point, are you comfortable saying how much medication you were on, just in a number, not by like listing what, what you were on, but are you comfortable saying how many medications she had put you on? Yes. So in the span that I'd been seeing her, which was maybe three, ooh, I want to say about three years, um, I'd gone through at least like six or seven different medications to try and get it under control and none of them was you know working correctly and up doses and you know side effects made me sick whatever um but at one point i was on three or four specifically for anxiety and depression which seemed like Like, way too much like taking daily i just want to be clear yes there and there is one i still take now that i've been very consistent about and it mostly just slows down your heart rate just keeps you calm and level and it's not addictive or whatever and that's the only one I feel comfortable still taking but as she was asking this you know and they have you fill out charts like how does each day go how are you feeling what what are your struggles what do you do and they do like a one to ten one to ten how hard is it for you to get out of bed or how hard is it for you to sleep or how sad do you feel on a daily basis and I had seemed to have been making progress anyways despite not being on these medications And the more I thought about it, for me, one of my biggest things is change. And I hate not knowing what's going to happen. I hate not having a plan. Like, it it scares me, like, to the extreme. But one of the things that I think I've gotten better at is adapting to the change. I'm going to go through struggles all my life. Everybody does. That's just how it is. That's a normal thing. But I think, in coming back to being more present even without using that word at the time that I realized it, I think I have become more present and I have been able to adapt to it more. I think that's quintessential to living your life because life is a constant stream of change. I think a lot of my anxiety started when I graduated high school because I hadn't, I didn't have a plan anymore. You know, I was legally required to go to school and I had a, you know, I lived at home and everything was fine. There was a layout for me and then, you know, going straight into college and, oh man, is this like a major I want to do? And like, am I actually qualified to be an adult and make my own choices? There's times, and this is embarrassing, there's times when I still ask my parents for permission and I'm 22, <laughs> just because that's... That's your habit. That's your... It is. What you're used to. Um, which isn't okay, but that's just how it's been for me. But... Anyways, going back, I still, you know, I get worked up over things, and I still feel anxious, and I have really tough nights, like last night, (laughs) but I think overall, I've realized that that's just how it's going to be, and the only thing that's going to change is me, and how I react to it, and how I prepare for it, and you can't necessarily prepare for what you don't know is coming, but to be able to be prepared for any and all um, outcomes, good or bad. There aren't many things in life you can actually be in control of, mm-hmm. right? Let's go ahead and use yesterday as an example and, and your lack of sleep last night. Now, I don't know everything that unfolded in in your closing at work. I do know that you had a machine breakdown, that you had a ton of customers turn up, that you had not enough staff, that, you know, lots of standard things, lots of stress, lots of things you could not control (laughs) like literally yeah you can't control how many people you have working for you you can't control whether or not you have enough money in the safe you can't control 
everybody turning up at the same time. You can't control an espresso machine shutting down. <laughs> so I come back to what can you control? You know, and so as you were talking, I was like, my brain goes, the only thing we can control in life, and even sometimes it feels impossible, is ourselves. Yeah. Like, am I going to scream and shout right now? Am I going to cry right now? Am I going to burst into laughter right now? Am I, you know, and let's just take, let's just take the espresso machine as, as the example. How am I going to react that this fucker just broke down and I need it? In a way, you 100% decide what direction you go in at that point. Now, I know where you want to go, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. God, God damn it. That's where you want to go. I mean, fury, you know, I'm one of these people that I cry with any extreme emotion. doesn't matter what it is. If it's extreme, tears are going to come out of my eyes and anger is, oh my God, one of the fastest frustration and anger will bring tears probably faster than sadness or upset, you know, Yeah. like anger and frustration. Oh God. Yeah. Crying. <laughs> So is it easy for me to be in control of my reaction and something like that? And then, okay, so we didn't say here, I, I almost hijacked my own point. You didn't sleep well last night. In fact, you hardly slept before you even arrived at my house. To do the math, I'd be like, did you even get an hour and a half sleep last night? Thank you for the coffee, by the way, <laughs> before I have to go back into work. Uh... So... I think, you know, cause and effect, we're looking yeah. at a really good example of that. You had all sorts of things happen that created stress. And if, if stress and anxiety aren't completely linked, well, I need to know that. <laughs> I need to learn that. <laughs> but in my mind, okay, in my mind, I'm like, okay, stressful situation, anxiety. So I'm 100% seeing, hearing, and believing that um, anxiety was a huge part of your job yesterday. And so because of that, you ended up with the effect of not being able to sleep. And I'm going to go ahead and, and guess, please tell me if I'm wrong. You lay there all night trying to sleep, replaying everything that happened. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I've been stressed about everything, everything for a couple, for about a week now, but that really added to it. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, I had a really, you know, my friend was opening this morning and I wanted it to be really nice and easy and I wanted to make their job easier, but I couldn't because last night my job was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, and then I feel guilty and it's just okay. all these different emotions that play into it and just. Yeah. You're one of these people that I want a mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not just talking to any old person here. I'm talking, I'm talking to somebody that I care huge amounts for. And so, so much of what I want to say is me going, no, sweetie, here, here's the, the advice I want to be throwing at you and throwing at you is you can't control everything. Like, in fact, you can control almost nothing. You can, you can do your best and people who know you, Know whether or not you're a person who will do your best. Like you and I both know we have coworkers that they aren't doing their best. They're just doing a job. Yeah. And whether or not they're extremely prideful in that job and insisting they're doing their best versus what you see in the morning when you open is it, kind of 
neither here nor there. Fact mm -hmm. is, they're not doing their best. Now, when you know you're doing your best and you're trying so hard and you're stressed and feeling anxiety over it all, at what point do you allow sensibility to kick in and you just accept, I literally couldn't have done much more. Yeah, there is a part of your brain that's probably going, I could have this, I could have that, I could have the other. Oh yeah, in addition to the other million things you did. Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, that's now yesterday. Yeah. You know, you, you literally can't go back and do anything about it. The only thing you can do is affect your right now and keep replaying yesterday right now so that you don't have a right now. It's yeah. like you're taking a, your right now away from yourself. I spend most of my time worrying about things that aren't in the present, for sure. No, yesterday was, you know, I went in the back room and had to cool off, and I almost started to cry a couple of times just because I was so overwhelmed with, oh man, I've still got, you know, X, Y, and Z to do, and we only have a certain amount of hours and to close, and, and you know, and I did want to do a good job. I, I guess for me, <laughs> I'm either very... I don't want to say apathetic, but that's probably what it comes across as for things that I don't really, I'm either all in or not really at all. Just, I don't know, it's just how my personality's always been. And I really care about work and I care about my friends that I work with and I want to make it easier for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like someone was late and so See, know, someone again, had to say later. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you don't even know that they could have controlled it. No, well they didn't even, they said they didn't even know. Which is another thing is that I had to be patient with them because it wasn't like they were intentionally just slugging off work or whatever. But it got to a point last night where someone was like, like, dude, we're going to be fine. Like, it's going to end. We're going to go home after this. And it's going to be okay. Like, it, you just have to accept it for what it is. Which actually last night ended up pretty okay. More towards the end, you know. But just for a while, the first couple hours into my shift, I was just probably came across as a jerk because I just didn't have time for, you know, pleasant conversation with customers or even fellow partners. No, it's, it's overwhelming when you're in charge. <laughs> I did that for two years. Oh, <laughs> it's like the Same best job, first mistake I've ever made or choice I've ever made. I love it. But for someone that gets as worked up as I do, it wasn't, I'm glowing is what I've decided. <laughs> That's my silver lining. I wish your facial expression could have could have been recorded on the microphone there. That was so great. Uh, <laughs> well, I just keep thinking that I should share with you, and I probably have told you before, that one time in that position, finally reached a point that I'm like, I don't want the responsibility. I just want to be serving customers and making coffee. And so anyway, but one day, it was one thing after another for me as well. To the point that I exploded at an employee. Um, I flooded the back room. An area manager ended up bringing us pizza because we had done something so great. And so that's how I flooded the back room is I was out there, quote unquote, entertaining her and trying to make everything feel like it was going as smooth as it could um, when it wasn't going smooth at all. And so I left the mop bucket running and then I had to deal with the fact that there was water everywhere and... So I end up on the back steps just crying, like, WTF, could this day get any worse? I suppose the reality is I couldn't have really felt any differently. It was, it was shit upon shit upon shit. Yeah. And sitting on the back step crying was like the inevitable <laughs> result of that. I know that result. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
But at the same time, tomorrow always comes. And so it starts over. It starts over. You're going to have more of those. You might end up on the back step again crying. What can you do? What do you want to do? Well, for me, I step down because I'm like, you know what? I don't want this amount of stress. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, you need to step down. I had to make decisions for me. One of those was I don't like feeling this way. This isn't comfortable. Stress for me is not comfortable. So what choices can I make? Like how in control of my tears can I be? I'm, I'm pretty crap at being in control <laughs> of my tears. Okay. If, if I could maybe control that more, maybe I wouldn't have chosen to step down. But as I say, some things we can be in control of. Some things we can't. Sometimes they're just too big and we need five more years to work on it. <laughs> it's true. I changed my availability at work. Um, I had open availability 40 hours a week and just whenever and whatever. And it, I didn't have a life. Yeah, structure. Yeah, structure, yeah. Uh, and, and now I have one set day off a week. I still need money, so I still gotta work. But, and I have at least one weekend night off as to where it was usually, uh, you know, I didn't have time to be a person. And that's helped a lot. Just cause I, I know that if I can make it until, you know, Sunday night, one Monday morning, I have it off and I can just, and it's fine. But, but I guess that was me realizing that I needed a break. Maybe not so much me realizing it, because everyone told me <laughs> that I should do that, but... But you finally... I did it, put my foot down. Yeah. yeah, which was hard, because I'm a very much a people pleaser, and, you know, if I can make other people's schedules easier, well, I mean, they deserve to have a break, too, but I was also sacrificing me never having a break. I've gotten better at not feeling bad about that, Yeah, because I need it. Yeah, because rationally, why should you... Be worse off than I'm everyone like a else. Martyr. Yeah. I'm a martyr. <laughs> so that was bad, but uh... did you just now make that up? Yes. <laughs> oh, Mario goes by Mari, and so so a martyr. <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> um, but but you like you can pull out sensibility and go. Why should I be miserable? So everybody else isn't you know yeah that's in a way that's kind of enabling that's uh, anxiety that's because the... i know being an enabler like <laughs> yeah that was my jam for most of my life is being an enabler and so that's what an enabler does is it's like is everybody okay is everybody okay and they won't just stop and look at if they're okay yeah and go halt i'm not okay right now this is going to change so that I can be okay. An enabler doesn't do that. So learning to, yeah, learning to not be an enabler and, you know, that could be a whole nother discussion, which I don't, I don't mean to hijack anxiety with enabling, but I, I would be willing to accept that you likely are a very large enabler because, <laughs> because it suits the anxiety and well, Suits isn't really the word. They're like cousins. They got some of the same genes, you know? I think different people have anxiety for different reasons, and enabling might be a really big part of mine. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know what? Actually, no, it is. <laughs> it's a big part of mine now that I'm thinking about it, because I always stress out about, as much as I want to say I don't care what other people think, I don't care about superficial things. I really don't. But when it comes to, like, people judging my character... 
when I try really hard to be a good person and to be a good friend and to be a good employee, and if my actions, for whatever reason, don't show that, or if people misconstrue my actions, for it really eats at me because I do try so hard. Yeah, I understand that thoroughly because I'm that way with communication. I try so hard to make sure I'm understood and use words that don't confuse anybody so they see exactly where I'm coming yeah. from because my desire to communicate is so clear. So when somebody takes what I'm saying and they completely twist it, I lose my shit. <laughs> I'm like, no, that is not what I was saying. Like, are you even listening to me? Oh, I get that too. I think you've probably noticed even make, making jokes at work. I have to go back and apologize and explain <laughs> that I was joking and why I was and what brought me to that point so I don't offend anybody. That's something I've noticed too, is that I always go and overly explain things just to make sure that people don't think I'm trying to slight them or that I'm, because that's just not yeah, and that, me. <laughs> and, that, and that is an enabling behavior because an enabler is like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? You know, it's, what can I do to make sure everybody's okay right now? Yeah. Whereas somebody who is recovering enabler. There we go. <laughs> I have to remind myself that how anybody perceives me is really up to them and is also based on who they are and their experiences. So I can try my darndest to be understood exactly how I want to be understood. And it might not matter that I do in my head a perfect job of saying or explaining whatever it is, they're going to perceive it, hear it, understand it based on who they are. And I literally have to tell myself, I can't control them. I can't insist they understand me. So what do I do? I don't over explain. You misunderstood me. So that's your problem. It's, it doesn't be, it doesn't make it my problem because I actually did try hard to be understood. And, and because I overly try I can accept, I can allow myself to accept, I fully tried. Yeah. You take it whatever direction you want to take it. And my, like, it's like hands in the air. My hands are in the air. Mm -hmm. You run with whatever you want to have just heard from me. I'm not going to change what I just said because I said it the best way that I could. Yeah. I've, I've lost friends over that. Friends who twist my words... What can I do? You're gonna, you're choosing to twist my words. You're choosing to not hear me how I, I mean to be heard. In a way, you're turning me into somebody that I'm not. Okay, but what do I do with that? Not much you can do. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't really do anything. Are you going to stay one of my closest friends? No. <laughs> no. So everybody gets to decide a lot of things about life. I'm deciding how I see you, I'm deciding how I see me, I'm deciding how I see the job, and everybody else is too. And so, God, that took a long time to make this point. But you can do your darndest, but at some point you do have to say, I'm not going to explain myself to that person because I don't have to. Yeah. I can't control if they didn't get it, even if it is, you know, just a, a simple little joke. Oh, one of the things that I did want to come back to, we were talking the other day and 
I'm going to go ahead and say who it was. We were talking the other day and you said that your mom turned to you and said, in reference to anxiety, are you going to use that excuse for everything? And maybe that wasn't her exact wording, but she referred to it as an excuse. Oh yeah, that was, that was <laughs> kind of heartbreaking. And we were on vacation and we were having a good time as a family, whatever. She didn't mean any harm by it, but she was trying to put me in a situation I didn't want to be in. Which, I mean, I didn't even have to be anxious. If I don't want to be in a situation, I don't want to be in it. I don't need to, whatever. But anxiety in this case was a big part of why I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be put on the spot. And she, you know, my brother was kind of like, I don't want to do this either. And I think she was getting upset for whatever reason. And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm too anxious right now. I can't do this. Or I'm going to like freak out. Um, she's like, well, you can't. I'm like, That's an excuse. She said you can't use that excuse forever. Wasn't that it? Something along the lines of that. But it was really... Man, we didn't talk for a while. Because it was really frustrating for me. Because she's been someone that I've tried to confide in. And she doesn't necessarily understand. And she's openly admitted that. She doesn't understand anxiety. Doesn't understand how it works. Doesn't understand how it affects me. Just knows that it it's hard for me. Uh-huh. So for her to claims so hard to try and understand it, which I think in a way she does, but I think she's also set in her ways and whatever, it doesn't matter. But the point that she tried to use that against me when it is a constant struggle for me was was so hard. So hard to accept and so hard to forgive. And I'm not even sure if I have forgiven her completely, but Well and my reaction, if you remember, was my mouth fell open. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me right now? Because although I happily will admit that I don't think I experience anything close to anxiety the way you do, for me to not respect, for anyone to not respect that this is one of your, I'll say struggles in life, we all have struggles in life. And for her to not accept that, my mouth was like, what? Your mouth was, (laughs) I almost didn't believe it when she said it. And I, I actually did start to cry <laughs> just because I don't I mean, it, it just it's extremely hurtful for somebody who knows how much it affects you yeah it's it's your weak it's a weak point oh it so is I you know I came home from from my first year of college and for months I didn't leave my room I didn't leave my house just because I was so it was hard getting a job was a huge thing for me that was a huge step. I went out on my own. I had my own resume. I had my own whatever interview, and it was freaky, and I was... Uh, it was hard, but I did it because mm-hmm. I was tired of feeling that way. That's one of the things that I controlled. Mm-hmm. But it's just... It, it has been a constant thing for me every day, even over small things, and even if the anxiety only lasts maybe 10 to 15 minutes, it's still a daily struggle for me. Mm-hmm. That being said, for my mother, who we have conversations about this all the time, she doesn't understand it. It wasn't a thing. She often says it wasn't a thing for her generation, and it's more prevalent in mine. And maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know how each person works and who they are and what they whatever. But that's why it's so important to talk about this, to normalize it for people that don't understand it, that don't that don't believe that it's a thing. I also deal with (laughs) people that are like that to try to tell me that I'm, you know, they brush it off into how hard it is for you. And and then you start to doubt yourself. 
and that just feeds into it. It's just all these negative feelings where if you don't have support, it's not something you can do alone. It really isn't. I've tried to do it alone because I didn't want to put the burden on other people until I realized it's not a burden. If people reach out, it's because they want to. Nobody ever does anything unless they want to because mm-hmm. they don't have to. Mm-hmm. People need to know that it's a thing because I, I've had so many friends, so many friends that have made not the best choices in life or even ended up drowning. And it's a serious thing. It really is. And maybe on different levels to different people, but if you don't... We, we all have a swimming pool or two. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, yeah, that's that's why I was so... Ex- I mean, at the time when you asked me, I was excited and happy excited <laughs> to, to talk about this because it is something that is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And I know it's important for other people. Mm-hmm. And... As I keep saying, you know, I don't, I don't think I can understand anxiety to the level that you experience it, but I'm going to go ahead and say, well, it was just this last summer when I was so incredibly stressed. I did exactly what you said a few minutes ago, which was find myself crying so hard I couldn't breathe, not sitting on the bathroom floor, but sitting on a chair in my bathroom. (laughs) trying so hard to calm down and having to accept and admit to myself, I couldn't to the point that I had to accept. I had to call somebody because I couldn't fix it. I couldn't calm down on my own. And so when you referenced a panic attack, I was like, I wonder if that's what that was because I, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't calm down. Of course the tears were coming because tears, you know, God, tears are just a byproduct of every strong emotion. But it was the inability to breathe that had me going, whoa, I need to involve somebody. It's a new experience for you. Knowing you and how, knowing how independent and strong that you are, that would totally, if I were you, that would throw me for a loop, like, completely. More than it already does for me personally. But that's just it. That's exactly what a panic attack is. And it's a product of stress and anxiety, over-the-top stress and anxiety. I never want that to happen again, actually. It sucks. (laughs) It is the worst. It it was a whole other awful thing that I had to actually get on the phone and admit to somebody, I need help. Yeah, I don't know what to do right now. See, it is so debilitating. I'm sorry that you went through that, but I can also say that I understand it completely. Not your situation, but the feelings that well, came from in, it. In a way, it doesn't even matter the situation, you know? Because, fuck, as I said a minute ago, life is constantly changing. Yeah. The situation that created that was actually the culmination of all the events that put me in a position where I had zero control over what was so upsetting is over now. Like, it's literally over. Yeah. Hopefully that will never happen again. Well, I know that won't happen again for that reason. Yeah. Because that stressful situation that I've been put in is gone. So will I ever feel that again? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> over a completely different situation. Like my brain is, is going, yeah, I would feel it if this happened. I feel it if that <laughs> happened. I feel, you know, fact is, you know, life is going to throw punches. Mm-hmm. 
how I ended up saying it this last summer was life keeps lifing on me. And that was my best term for it. And people will be like, because we come in contact with so many customers that we feel like we know them, they know us, even though the reality is we know so little about each other. It's just, you know, I know that you get a vanilla mocha extra hot every day, you know. So I ended up saying, life keeps lifing at me. And that's the reality. It's going to keep happening. Also, I didn't want to forget, there are a couple, I'll say supplements. I don't know if that's actually the best word for them that help anxiety. And when we were talking about your doctor putting you on multiple medications, I went, I wonder if the doctor ever thought to suggest GABA or L-theanine, because both of those are natural things that the brain can use to calm down. I'm not even sure I've ever heard of them. Yay! I think I might have heard of GABA, but I think I heard it from you. Okay, I was hoping that this would be your reaction because that's a really good sign that something you could have tried, you haven't yet tried, and it's a natural supplement that you go to the health food store and buy off of the shelf. L-theanine is more expensive than GABA. I keep it in the drawer kind of as a... Well, it's like $31, I think is the price tag on this tiny little bottle that I have that probably only had 30 pills in it to begin with. You know what I mean? (laughs) So no, I don't pop those every day, but I do remember that when I was unable to calm down and so upset about that situation, I pulled out the GABA, I pulled Mm -hmm. out the L-theanine, I think I pulled out L-tryptophan. Because these are natural calmers, and I was the furthest thing from calm. We have talked so much over the years that I don't remember if we've ever discussed that, but because of the reaction you just had, obviously, hey, it's time again. We we mentioned (laughs) this. Yeah, because I think GABA is one that you could take fairly regularly, and it wouldn't cost you a lot of money, nor would it harm you. Not the L-theanine would, but that one's so expensive. Hey, man, I'm down to feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and heck, so many of these health food stores have nutritionists working in them that just to turn up and say, hey, I have some questions about GABA. Let it start there. You're not really asking questions about GABA. You're asking for things like GABA. You know, what types of things can my brain utilize to help me normalize the level of anxiety I experience. Can you know? I like write that down, how you phrase that? Because I'll go in and be like, brain sad, heart fast, fix. <laughs> <laughs> so I need help. You can hold my hand and walk in with me. I, I will totally go with you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and in fact, often when I need something, all I have to do is find, I'll just Google something, find a supplement, and then go in. and Because I don't know. I'm one of the, maybe I'm way too independent. It's like, I want to figure this out on my own. And I don't want to involve people in my life, in my situation, in my whatever. And I suppose, yeah, I do have a lot of pride. And so to say, hey, I have a problem and I'm looking for pills to help me (laughs) is kind of how my negative committee wants to see it. You know, any opportunity for them to put me down. By not doing that and going, hey, I'm looking for GABA. Let's say I have GABA at home, but... The stuff on the shelf near GABA is probably going to have the same results 
or be along the same lines as a calmer. Hey, can you point me to, I can't find the GABA. They take me to that and they're like, do you need anything else? No, I'm so good. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and stare at these pill bottles and I'm going to read through them. I have more supplements and more cupboards in my bathroom than I want to admit. And I do not take all of them. Um, it's when I think, okay, I'm, I can't, I can't fix this on my own. There's bound to be a supplement that can help me. I go to the store, I get a supplement, I take it for a little while and then I forget. And then it, it lives in a drawer or in a cupboard. And so I have a lot of expired supplements. <laughs> Needless to say. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that because anything that isn't chemical that is gonna create side effects or make life harder, God, that's the last thing we need. Yeah. Life is hard enough. Which is why I dropped all my medications. Tough one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for you, you know, the ability to say I did that and I'm no worse off. Well, cool. Yeah. Because who knows what, you know, they put in all that stuff. So the problem with those is that I never really felt better about the situation. But as soon as I like was off of them, it's like my body felt the difference rather than, uh -huh. I don't know, it was weird. Uh -huh. Like it was almost like a withdrawal, but it's like, I don't want to, and as frequently as I was changing them, I didn't, I mean, that was just screwing up with all kinds of things in my body that I didn't want to deal with. That made it worse. Mm -hmm. But the one I take now is an optional one, so it's not like I take it every day. I carry it with me every day, <laughs> just in case, yeah. but but it's more as needed than just to help keep me in a calm, mm -hmm. you know, not, not so worked up. But anyways, yeah. I would be down for supplements because I'm down for natural. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anything that hasn't worked yet. Well, and and really, if your body already produces it in small amounts, you know your body can handle it. Yeah. Whereas the stuff that these dudes make in laboratories, you know. The unnatural stuff. Well, and who knows what the hell goes into that? Go watch commercials and be like, side effects are more than what you're getting helped for. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Why would you want to trade calmness for hemorrhoids? You know what I mean? Just as a dumb example. <laughs> but I you're mean, right. I mean... Like, you're calm, but your ass is bulgy. <laughs> so, so maybe you're calm, but you're still not comfortable. It's still a pain in the ass. <laughs> no, you're like fixing one problem, but creating another. Yeah. That's not getting anybody anywhere. It's one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, you're swimming in a different pool. So. <laughs> also, I think it's important that one of the things that we address isn't necessarily anxiety related and yet it is and that is as humans we need to find empathy because every single one of us has our demons and not any of us have the same demons you know some of us have 20 demons some of us have four maybe there are people out there who only have one and none of those are the same and so to have empathy and to be like, I totally can accept that I do not understand your demon, but I can totally accept that you also probably can't understand mine. Therefore, I have the ability to be empathetic that demons exist for you because demons exist for me. Yeah. And I know that it seems bad to call it demons, but you know, just as a term, empathy is vital. I feel 
in becoming a top quality human. And I have yet to use that term in this recording, but you know I use that term often. Yeah. That's one of my goals in life. Who do I aim to be a top quality human for? Me. I want to be someone I see as a top quality human. And that came about through my desire to have self-esteem and going, okay, what don't I have? Who am I not? What would I need to be in order to like who I am? And that giant ball of figuring things out is how I came up with top quality human. My version of a top quality human is likely not anybody else's version of a top quality human, but I need to like me. I need to be somebody that I can feel I did a good job. I said the best things in the best way that I could. I followed through as often as possible. I basically don't want to be disappointed in myself, but I also don't want to misappropriate disappointment yeah. where it's not due and go, oh, I'm so disappointed in myself because, and, and come out with some stupid thought that is irrational. So if I ever am disappointed, it better be warranted and I better be learning from it. In a way, that's kind of my goal is to never be disappointed in myself. So many people choose to be disappointed when they shouldn't be. So also I'm not doing that. And that's part of me being able to say that's also becoming a top quality human. Not forcing emotions to be labeled in places they shouldn't be. Anyway, back to empathy. I kind of think that's what happened when your mom said what she did is she showed a complete lack of empathy there. And that's also why my mouth fell open. It's like, are you kidding me right now? One for, for vital one, qualities uh -huh. here. Yeah. For one, she's your mother. I have such high standards for mothering because I have such an amazing mother. She thinks the sun shines out of my ass and I've known that my whole life. And I will know that until the day I die. And so for it to come out of a mother's mouth, I'm like, what? But also just in general, because I'm somebody who thoroughly believes in empathy and how important it is. I think that's one of the reasons that you and I get along so well. Yeah, maybe we have too many commonalities, like we're <laughs> enablers. and But you can tell me anything and I can empathize with you. And I can tell you anything and you can empathize with me, even though... I'm happy to admit, I really, really, really don't understand anxiety at the level that you experience it because I don't. However, I too just realized in talking to you, I probably had that panic attack that you described and I hadn't labeled it panic attack. I hadn't labeled, well, as you know, I hate labels, but mm -hmm. I hadn't seen it that way as something I could relate to your anxiety until you were describing something that I was very clearly picturing going through because I did. I think it's important, especially with anxiety for people to find empathy, figure empathy out. Well, it's kind of, I mean, you and I were kind of talking about this the other day about being empathetic and trying to understand people and you're not going to understand everything that someone is going through, but that's why it's so important to try. Mm -hmm. That's actually, <laughs> It's just, it's important to you, even if you don't get to that point, but like, 
I don't see why anybody wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. Really? Because, I mean, empathy is one of my, you know, that's something that I really, sometimes I think maybe I <laughs> try to feel it too much and try to take on other people's, you know, challenges. But um, I think, to be quite honest, I was kind of, for lack of a better word, a bully <laughs> growing up. So was I. And I didn't realize it until later, and I still feel extremely guilty about it. So did I. Oh. So my twin brother, I would often pick on him for whatever reason, to the point where he would be in tears, and I'm sure I affected his self-esteem growing up. I know I did. I did that to my little sister. Um, And even kids I went to school with, I remember one kid in particular, I would, you know, call him out on certain things. Like, I had known him since, I don't know, kindergarten. I remember in junior high, he ended up being friends with some of my good friends, and just the more I got to know him, I was like, man, I was such a dick. You know, as a kid, not that that's any excuse. There's never an excuse to be a mean person, but I just didn't understand. I didn't understand him. And so I... You picked on him. I picked on him. Yeah. Which I do feel bad about. I, I actually ended up apologizing quite publicly. I'm not sure if that ever made a difference. I don't know if he even remembers me. Maybe not now. We haven't talked in years, but just I still think about him often because I I, I do feel bad for that time in my life. I think an apology is important, actually, because it not only gives them the opportunity to receive or reject the apology, but it gives your brain an opportunity to receive or reject. I did something wrong and I've tried to fix it. Now, 99% of us won't accept that and just move on. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I think it's important yeah. to try to give yourself an opportunity to go, fuck, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I regret doing that. I never want to do it again. And see, I've totally gotten to that point. I mean, I, like, I'm still short and, you know, I tease my siblings a lot because that's what you do, but... That is something that is stuck in my head where I just don't want to, I don't want to be that person. I think I've tried to go extremely opposite ends, but kind of just going back to empathy, it taught me to feel that, which is why I think it's such, it's, it is important to me, it really is. And honestly, having anxiety has helped me feel that more, I think, just because I know what it's like to feel in the deepest, darkest places of your mind. And I don't want anyone else to feel like that because it, it sucks. It's awful. And so if I can try to understand somebody and if I can try to help them with their struggles, I am more than willing to because nobody should have to, one, go through that or two, go through that alone, at least. Talking about that just made me realize as much as it, it, it stinks sometimes feeling like this, I have learned things from it. And I've taken away things that have made me into the person that I am today, which I can't always say that I like myself completely, but I do try to be a good, honest, transparent person, and I try to be kind in all my dealings with anybody and anything. And that's one thing that I'm not saying I'm bragging, but if I were, that's something I would brag about, is that I think Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty decent human being. I think you are. (laughs) Thank you. But... My struggles are starting, trying to phrase this right, when I started struggling with this, 
and realizing what I could turn it into has helped a lot. But it's just interesting going back to how different you are years down the road. Because <laughs> I was a jerk. I was too. Oh. I sometimes go, how can I be who I am now when I was who I was then? Oh, I still I like, hold on to it too. Like, what? Oh. You know, and there are, I think there are plenty of factors. I know that this is maybe TMI. I'm going into the realm of TMI here. Okay. So the TMI for you, you'll have to tell me if I have to cut this out. The TMI for you is your twin was always the blue eyed boy and you were always the one who was not good enough. Just different from him. I wasn't what was expected. Yeah. In their eyes. So you were regularly told he's better than you and you're not as good as him on some level, right? I see you cringing. Well, no, I mean, I don't want to make, make out my parents sound like they're horrible because they're not. No. By any means. Okay, okay, pause. But but irrespective, we're not... <laughs> oh, God, how do I say this without offending anybody? And yet, like I say, this is TMI, Okay. And I know you love your parents, and I know they're really awesome parents because, God, Marielle is a really amazing person, okay? <laughs> so so the fact is we aren't criticizing your parents when we say this. We're just talking about what has been, what was, what what was the situation. We're going to TMI me too in the, same, in the same thing in relating to I get you, and here's my version. So for you, it is you were... We'll call it subconsciously, all right? You were subconsciously told you weren't as good as your twin. And it went in. And should anybody be surprised that you are going to end up feeling animosity toward him? Because he was the object of who you aren't good enough to be like. And no offense to your parents, and hopefully they'll never hear this, but <laughs> no offense to your parents, but they still do that. The worst part is I don't, I mean, they don't consciously do that. They it's... don't, they don't try, but he's so exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And you're so not exactly what they want. They want you to be identical twins. And see, and it's, I mean, and it's been that way from anybody growing up. Uh huh. <laughs> and I'm not like saying I'm this, oh man, I'm such a unique individual, whatever person, but I never wanted to be like him. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And just, it seemed like all the skills and talents that I developed weren't necessarily socially... As awesome as his to them. Yeah, they weren't vital to life, uh -huh. to being successful, let's say. He's, you know, great uh, straight-A student, just super smart. hope he doesn't hear this either, but he lacks common sense. Extremely so. <laughs> A lot of people who are extremely smart do lack common sense. Uh, that has been an experience of mine over and over and over. So, that's... That's normal. It's just how many people are. Yeah. I kind of got off track there for a minute, but what I was going to say You didn't is, want to be like him. No, I mean, and, and you know, it's not... For a long time, I struggled thinking that I wasn't smart. I, I, I would tell myself that forever. I still do. And I'd have sit down to help me with my homework and get frustrated and where I couldn't do, you know, these mathematic equations. And that was like, oh, I'm going to do... You know, AP calculus, because I can. And I was just like, man, why can't I do that? Like, what's wrong with me? But 
I mean, I had other interests. I, I, I love art, and I love music, and I love so many different things that I'm pretty decent at, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> but and, it doesn't get recognized. And just a reminder, we're all different. Exactly. You know, he's awesome at, he's awesome at calculus. Yeah. Uh, you're awesome at drawing. Call me crazy, but I don't think Matt's an artist, do you? <laughs> no. Okay, see, so everybody has different yeah. things that they're awesome at. And it's, so... I think it goes back to that empathy. If I, sorry, but I, I mean, like we were saying, we were talking the other day about um, categorizing people and not seeing them for individuals, mm -hmm. which is why that's also important to me is because I grew up not being an individual. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of people do, but if I can say this without sounding any certain way, but like being a twin was especially hard mm -hmm. because... You, For some reason, there's extra comparison. It's like, oh, you're going through all the same experiences, so the outcome should be the same. Not, oh, you're going through similar experiences, but you're different people reacting differently to these similar experiences. Right. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, and I think sibling rivalry is the thing. And I've told you this before. I often felt like there was definitely a shadow, and I wasn't, mm -hmm. or I was feeling it. And I shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have been forced to feel this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I don't know. So I still struggle with feeling confident in myself and liking myself. But I'm getting to a point now where I'm realizing that who I am individually is not that bad. <laughs> all no, things considered. no, not at all. And who you are individually should be an individual. I think that needs to be said. Yeah. Because your parents may or may not compare you to your younger sister. They definitely compare you to your twin and I'm, I'm left going, stop it, stop it, stop it. How about no comparisons? I grew up going to an elementary school where everybody was different. We had 11 nationalities. And so you couldn't compare everyone because everybody wasn't blonde haired, blue eyed. And then when I moved and I started junior high in a completely different world, everything was all about what clothes you were wearing, how popular you were, how rich your parents were. And so in a way, I went from a world of endless grays to a world of black and white. And I was like going, what? What's up with all this segregation? You're either super cool and awesome and part of the clique, or you're an outsider because you aren't all of those things. You aren't rich. You aren't wearing the right clothes. You don't have blonde hair, blue eyes. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And I was left going, whoa, I listen to this comparison happening within your family. And from the get go, I'm going, this isn't okay. <laughs> Everybody's an individual and you should be allowed to be an individual. Does that not go back to the empathy though? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. trying to understand people as individuals. Yes, totally. Uh. So the TMI part that I said that we would, that I would share for me and, and this is me having to put two and two together. This isn't me going, I felt this. I'm just looking at cause and effect. And my similar situation to yours was that my little sister, my father regularly told me and my older sister that my little sister was his favorite. And he was such a horrible human that I wasn't left going, oh, I wish I was his favorite. That wasn't my train of thought. But as my little sister got older and older, I kind of turned her into the person to bully. I was awful to her. And 
psychologically, if I look at it and go, why was I like that? Well, the reality is I was told for years, she's my favorite. She's my favorite. She's my favorite. And so I think it does boil down to cause and effect. When you're shown or told something like that, for you, it was your twin. For me, it was my little sister. You develop animosity towards that person. I genuinely believe it's completely outside of our control. We don't consciously go, oh, they like you, so I'm not going to. Or mom or dad feels this way about you, so I'm going to feel this way about you. I really thoroughly cannot remember ever making that conscious choice that because of this, I'm going to treat you like this. However, that is what happened. You know, I was mean. I bullied her. I was an awful sister. Even to my older sister, I think as a teenager, it's possible everybody's angry. (laughs) I, I don't know. Maybe there are teenagers out there who don't go through this. Angsty teenage uh-huh. phase. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a real thing. So we have to be able to forgive ourselves for being that person that we aren't now and go, you know what? That's not who I am now. The world doesn't need that version of me. And that's not the version I'm going to give the world, nor am I going to give it to myself. Yeah. Not me. Not me anymore. Well, like, uh, uh, just similarly, while we're talking about this, I really didn't like him at all. Like, I would go out of my way just to be like, oh, you're having a good day? Well, I'm not. You don't deserve to if I don't deserve to. And it wasn't until we... I don't even know what changed it. I think it was just when I realized that it wasn't okay. He's like my best friend now. I mean, we do everything together. We hang out. We have fun. There's hardly ever a crossword that's spoken. Maybe occasionally when we get, (laughs) maybe when we spend too much time around each other, but, you know, and we've talked about it a lot and he's expressed his side of it and he's told me, you know, that he realizes now that he made it more difficult for me. So while I'm trying to apologize to him, he's apologizing back. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. Which is, it is, it was interesting. I was like, you don't, you, you don't, why are you apologizing? Like, I'm the one that was a dick. He's like, well... I was too, just in a more subtle way. And anyways, my point is, is like you're saying, we've gotten to a whole new different relationship level and everything else has been forgotten. Mm -hmm. And if he can forgive and see me for who I am now, Mm -hmm. why why is it so hard for me to? Yeah. Why would you not move on? Yeah. And leave the shit behind? Yeah. Why, Why make life more difficult by bringing in what's already happened? Uh-huh. That you can't, yeah. that you can't control this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said this time that you can't control the majority of the time. The majority you of the time. That's right. I would, I would love to do some sort of a survey and be like, please, like, if I could ask thousands of people to answer a question, one of those questions I would like to ask is, what do you feel in control of? Because I bet people aren't like, oh, well, let me make you a list (laughs) of all these things I feel so in control of. Because let's ask me, my brain is going, um, hmm, what do I feel in control? Hmm. I feel in control of my intonation because as you know, I have a, I have a huge thing for intonation. Mm -hmm. I mostly feel in control of my ability to choose words 
my brain is constantly searching for what's the best word here? What's the best word there? I know there's a word. I, I need to learn more words, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel in control of those things. I'm double your age, and so I'm like, <laughs> I should be in control of way more things. <laughs> no, no, that's... I mean, you've told me this too. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter your age. It just... The experiences. No, but honestly, I I would argue that age does matter because especially if, if you're working on things, you know, working on aspects of who you are, working on bettering yourself, working on me. That's one of the things I say I have, I've been doing my whole life is working on me. My father was an example of somebody who didn't even have the concept of what it was to work on himself. And so as most people do, they don't want to be like their shitty parent. Everybody seems to have one parent that stands out as shittier than the other. And so, so I don't want to be like that person. And for me, he was just a really good, bad example. And so it's not just, Oh, I don't want to be like that. I'm like, Oh, good fuck. Heaven help me if I'm ever anything like that, you know, cause he's yeah. so severe. And so I've been working on myself for so long that this is the goal. So at double your age, I'm holding myself to a standard of, oh, fuck yeah, I better be. I way better be in control of some things that I've been trying to be in control of for so many years. I hope I have jumped out of the swimming pool and dragged myself off multiple times. Um, if I were to sit down and try and think of examples, I probably could come up with examples. A lot of that does come also with tolerance and age, the older I get, the less tolerant I am of, of things that are happening around me, things that are happening to me, other people, how they're, it, it's kind of like the, oh, you misunderstood what I said. Okay. Go swim in that. I don't, I don't care. You still misunderstood me. Yeah. I, how many ways am I willing to explain what I meant in order for you to get it? And, and the older I get, the less willing I am. To, to keep trying and trying and trying because I'm reaching a point where I'm okay to go. Well, I'm satisfied with my attempt. I'm moving on. You can just take what you heard and deal with that. Anyway, I interrupted you because I'm <laughs> no, like, no, good. I'm double your age. Wow. No, <laughs> I have so much to say about I should be. <laughs> <laughs> we always all should be. <laughs> Thinking of things that we could control. Mm -hmm. What you have control of. Oh, yeah. And probably since the first week I met you, I'm thinking that was forever ago, it seems like, but, or at least the first time when I started talking to you about things like this, one of the first things you told me was that I, I can't control other people, and I can't control their reactions, but I can control mine. That's, like, always been one of the first things you've told me, and just jumping back to kind of the theme of this whole thing... I think it was so hard for me to grasp for so long just because I, I, st I still didn't feel in control of my own reactions until after the fact, until after I had, you know, stressed it out about it or made it worse. I think anxiety does a really good job of blocking all common sense. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. Which is why panic attacks are so prevalent with anxiety-ridden people is because you get so worked up in the moment and your brain's firing so fast that you can't process that, hey, this is a setback for sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's your sensible part of your brain again, yeah. where it's just, it's, it's gone. It took its suitcase and walked out the door and 
and it just it feeds into it and it gets so much worse because you you don't know how to fix it most of the time for me personally i didn't know why i was feeling this way something triggered it for sure but like you know i go back and i'm the kind of person where i kind of hide all my problems and sweep it under the rug until it gets too full and everything spills out and that's when panic attacks would happen for me and it was me trying to deal with months weeks or a month of of all these issues um which is why i couldn't think of oh well that that's so back in the past that it doesn't even matter now but i'm feeling it now (laughs) a word that keeps jumping into my mind as i listen to you is internalize yeah so it's like you just kept internalizing internalizing Mm -hmm. filling yourself up with the stuff to spill yeah and for whatever reason i don't know I, i i've come up with better ways to I'm more frequent in letting out my frustrations, my anger, and making it known to people and realizing that that's an okay thing. That is more than okay. And not in, like, letting out my frustration against people. Like, that's not what I'm saying. It's more just, this person can help me. I can talk to them. I can normalize it for myself. And I think I've done a better job at doing that because, I mean, I don't have, very rarely do I have panic attacks that severe anymore. Mm-hmm. at all like I'll still spend time upset and maybe I start to cry if I think about mm-hmm. whatever's going on but it's easy easily goes away if I just you know take a breath it's fine let's start with one problem one and work into it that's you saying I'm gonna be present about this yeah mm-hmm. I've done a lot I mean I, I still struggle with it but I've done better at doing that which is why like going to the doctor I could honestly tell her I'm making progress mm-hmm. I don't need anything else, whatever you have in mind. I can do this. Yeah, good for you. Something that also jumps into my mind, mainly because I'm the notebook I'm using as we talk is from you. <laughs> and as you know, I write in notebooks constantly. Mm-hmm. But I 100% have found notebooks to be a tool for me. I have specific pens that I buy that I love to write with, which makes me want to keep writing because when I have a pen that's all super scratchy and like hard and it feels like it's making a sound I don't want to write but the pens that just glide and go smooth like Mm -hmm. I just keep writing and writing and going so I'm willing to bet jumping back to yesterday last night your lack of sleep I'm willing to bet that you didn't get a notebook out and write it down so that your brain quit hitting, hitting the replay button no, I did not. Okay. <laughs> My okay. brain was the notebook. Uh-huh. <laughs> Still and, is. And I have found myself doing that so many times that I now have to catch myself and say, grab your notebook. All of this bullshit that you're saying over and over and over, even if they're extremely awesome points, and these are really great things that you're like, I'm going to say that next time. Doesn't It, it doesn't matter what these thoughts are. For me, by grabbing a notebook, I've said them. And my brain goes, well, good. I said it. I did it. How I often see it, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, is it's like my brain accepts that the notebook is a safe place. And I can trust I don't have to keep repeating it because it lives in a safe place. And if I want to read it and go back to it and be in that angst about that situation, (laughs) I can. I can read it. I can choose, but what ends up happening nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, is whatever angst I put in that notebook, I don't go back to because my brain is that happy to go. Safe place. I can move on. 
I'm just like throwing out this reminder because it, it came at me. Put a notebook by your bed, you know, and then when you have a shitty day at work, however it needs to come out on paper, like list the shitty things, list the things you weren't in control of, write down the sentences that you wanted to say or didn't say or would say next time or, or anything because, oh my God, it saves my life on a regular <laughs> basis. And you know this because you wouldn't have given me this awesome notebook otherwise. <laughs> and I might add, this is one of the thickest notebooks I have. So I'm really excited about my decision to use it for this purpose of conversations. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad it screams Natalie. So I'm glad that we're... Oh, and I'm honored to be the first entry. I'm saying that. <laughs> Hear that? First. <laughs> As I said, I need to grab... a. Uh, a brand new notebook for this. I was like, should I or shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? Because I, as you know, I write in a notebook constantly. Yeah. And so to dedicate a notebook to something other than my epiphanies, it's like, okay, which one do I use? Sometimes when I um, misplace the notebook I'm currently writing in, I freak out a bit. Yeah. You know, that's how important it is that my thoughts get to live somewhere and that I actually can trust a notebook. And then once that notebook's full, it goes on the shelf and very seldom gets picked up again. It's, I don't want to say it's like your your way of coping with things, but oh, maybe, God. yeah. It's, no, your, it's really. your therapy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of the word coping. I don't know why I don't like the word coping, but um, but that's exactly what it is surviving I probably is probably there you go maybe the I word. figured you wouldn't like the word coping but I couldn't <laughs> think of another one <laughs> why don't I like that word that I think I might have issues I need to address there <laughs> well it sounds and, and you know coping is kind of like hoping maybe that's why Jim Carrey said hope is a beggar mm. and it's true hope is a dead end you can hope all you want hope doesn't get you anywhere it's a dead end if I'm in a car and I need to cross the country. I don't want to hope I can cross the country. I need to drive. Not hope I can drive. I need to drive. And so if I if I take myself to a dead end, I ain't getting nowhere. I need roads. Coping does feel a lot like hope. Like I've had a breakthrough here today. Barely managing. <laughs> yes. I feel like we always have breakthroughs That's when we talk, though. Come on. So true. Come on. That's why I... Yes. <laughs> That's why I come to you with most of my problems. Oh, and this is why I come to you with, what, what, what about this? What about that? What about the other? This is just why we're such a good parent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to just cope. I want to succeed. Yeah. Therein lies my, ooh, I don't like that word. <laughs> I knew you well enough to you <laughs> But I still said it. Oh, but, funny. Well, to try the notebook thing. That's the thing, though. I feel like there's so many different ways that you can, I don't want to say fight against it, but there is, mm -hmm. for different people. I don't know. For me, I, I like, if I need to um, ease tension in my mind, I go for drives and I listen to music. And even if it's, you know, winter, snow on the ground, I roll down the windows, blast the heater, and just blast the music. And just, it's almost like me letting out yeah. all the bad and the angry. Yeah. I have recently, this is not to change the subject, but I can relate to that because I have in recent years turned to dancing mm -hmm. as a way to cope. And I wouldn't cope. I just used it. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Combat. Okay, I'm going to, okay, combat. Thank you. That's a way better word than cope. Um, dancing has become a way to combat all sorts of things for me, including self-esteem, because it's not something I'm comfortable doing in front of people most of the time. But when it's just me, see, I used to not even want to dance when it was only me. And I was like, there's a problem here. If mm -hmm. I'm that uncomfortable in my own skin, there's entirely a problem here. And so I did what was uncomfortable and I started dancing. And when I started, I started doing it in the dark, but in front of a mirror. So I had to force myself to kind of see myself. Yeah. And I had a, a tiny light source. I would do it in the bathroom. My bathroom, as you know, is big enough to dance in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I would slide the door mostly closed and have a light on in my bedroom. So there was a light source. I could make out the shape of myself and I would, it sounds a silly word to, to use because it makes it, well, I'm going to use it. I'd, so what if I picture myself as a fool and so does anyone else hearing this? I would flail my arms and move my arms and just whatever the music felt like, I would try and find it. I would try and find the finger movements, the wrist actions, the arm, whatever's, and then try and incorporate movement of my waist and my legs and my back, because these are all motions that I had allowed to become extremely uncomfortable for me. I used to dance in my twenties. I go dancing quite often. I don't remember ever even going, I'm a bad dancer. I'm a good dancer. I mean, it wasn't even like, I just, I just dance. Yeah. So, so what? But through my years of fuck uppedness, <laughs> I reached a point where I couldn't. Yeah. So yeah. What was the word? Not coping. Combat. Combat. Yeah. So, you know, we find ways to combat things. And now I don't remember if you came to any of my dance parties, but back before my car accident, we were having dance parties and I was able to dance in front of my friends and, and not feel awkward. That, that right there is proof that I had somewhat succeeded in just what you were trying to do. Yes, success. Yeah. Right? I, I had succeeded in the success. <laughs> <laughs> nicely, nicely put. <laughs> you wordsmith. <laughs> so <we're> <laughs> Maybe bronze at this point, but we'll get there. One day. <laughs> One day. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we need to we need to wrap up because you have to go to work. I do. So and thank not you. Not be stressed about what I can't control. Yeah, which and is you, everything. You know, grab a piece of paper out of the printer and a pen. Keep them in your pocket and just maybe today, as a test of combating <laughs> anxiety, write shit down All and right. and swear as many times as you can in there <laughs> in, in in whatever it is you're writing just a down. Big collage of <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that swear words are therapeutic and I, and I, and, and they have power. And I think that's why a lot of people refuse because they feel there's a power there and, like and they don't know how to use it. A study, like if you feel physical pain by swearing, it helps reduce the pain. Oh my God. I need this. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Okay, I'll, I'll have to find a I have too link or many pains these days and I I'm... But you swear so frequently you should feel fine. <laughs> I should feel fine. <laughs> you know, there are times like even last night I was at my sister's house and I found myself swearing in front of her guests and I'm like, Whoa, I probably shouldn't be doing this and I'm like, I, I need to uh But it's so part of my vocab that 
I think I would be sitting there searching for words if I weren't just allowing myself to swear in the middle of whatever there, I'm trying to say. Also, I'm just pulling all these random statistics out of my ass that I've read on <laughs> online, but people said that like the more intelligent the person, the more they swear. Huh. I don't know if that's true, because I've also heard, like, you swear in place of coming up with actual words, but I know that's not yeah. the case with you, so I'm going to go with the former. <laughs> well, and I have been present um, in the coffee shop many times when teenagers are using so many swear words and not actually saying anything, and I'm like, you guys don't know how to talk, do you? You're losing your language. Somehow. Maybe swearing is like a level you reach after you've... Like... And, ma and maybe these teenagers just sense the power of the swear word. And so that's all. That's what they're grabbing at because they need power in communication and they don't know how to do it yet. Yeah. Anyways, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> we need to just shut up so Stop. you can go to work. And um, I just thank you so much for thank being you. my friend, for giving me amazing notebooks, for taking part in conversations with me like there have been so many times we've been talking that's like god if only this was recorded <laughs> i and we've talked about that too yeah no thank you thank you for inviting me to do this and for being my friend and and a mentor and a sparkly human being you're, Boom. you're sparkly too and i love your guts i love yours bye